We thank you, Father, for the service, the, the message that uh, you've given us, Father. I, I pray for your anointing to teach, and uh, Lord, that we declare that every ear is anointed to hear, and every heart is anointed to receive that precious seed of the Word of God. And we declare that we will be uh, not not forgetful hearers, but we will be doers of your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. And by the way, the uh, the memorial service uh, for the uh, Gold Star family is going to be on the internet, and you can go to um, defense.gov, and uh, and that starts at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. So, uh, be good to uh, to catch that. I know we're gonna we're gonna tune into it. So. Um, we have a message for you tonight that I'm calling, Are You Ready for a Change? I am ready for a change. You know, this year has been calling for a change, and uh, change is needed. And I'll give you a little disclaimer about this message, though, because the change we want isn't going to come until Christians change. And, uh, you know, I, I, we've all got some changing we need to do. I want to, uh, we'll go to, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 for our first mess, for our first, uh, scripture. But this, this is about that as we go through life, we develop a belief system or, or the way we think and the way we we react to certain things. And some of those things that we've developed over our years uh, are hard to break. They become our truth. They become our reality. And and sometimes we need to break away from those things. Look at this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, we had a pastor in, in Hungary uh, one time that we were working with, and he he pulled us aside one time and asked us a question. He said, if, if someone claims to be born again, shouldn't we be seeing a little bit of change in their life? I mean, shouldn't they maybe stop uh, smuggling cigarettes across the border to make money? Uh, different things that, that they did that they have always done, but they never, never stopped, never changed. Well, the answer is yes, there, there should be some change. Because every one of us had things in us that needed to be changed when we were born again. Um, but sometimes we need to stop and think about what I believe. Most people don't even stop and think about it because it's it's a thing that's been it's been developed over your whole life. But do we even know why we believe what we believe? That's what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight. Uh, but especially, you know, when you when you think about the things you've been told your whole life, those things are difficult to break away from. Um, you know, most of the time people believe what uh, what. Mom and Daddy said what Grandma and Grandpa said, what the pastor said, what somebody said that they have taken and made it part of who they are, and that's what that's what I believe, and and you won't you won't change my mind. 
Don't confuse me with facts. My mind's made up. You know? So, and I think of the, uh, the presidential debate, debate that was, what, a week or so ago. Um, we watched the debate and, and then we, I looked at some of the comments, some of the interviews on both sides afterwards. And to look at those, you'd wondering, or, did they see the same debate that I did? Because both sides, both the Biden side and the Trump side said, you know, my guy clearly won. It was, there was no question. He annihilated the other guy. Well, um, that, that just shows that their mind was made up before the, uh, before the debate even took place. But is what you believe based on what somebody else said? Or, or maybe you heard it in church, but just because somebody says something, doesn't necessarily mean that that's the truth. Now, there are a lot of politicians that don't want you to know that. They, they, uh, they hope you don't check out some of the things they say, but it's, it's, it's the truth anyway. You, you can strongly believe things that aren't true, but that only puts you in bondage. And, in uh, John 8.32 says that you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. What it doesn't tell you is the truth might slap you around a little bit before you get completely free. Ask me how I know that. I'll I'll share that with you in a minute. But one of the hardest things for most people to accept is that what they believed for years and years, all of a sudden, that's not the truth. And, And some people never accept that. I spent the first 32 years of my life as a Mormon. And the Mormon church, I consider it now to be a cult. Now, there are wonderful people in the Mormon church. The Mormon people are are basically honest. They're patriotic. Uh, they're, they're hardworking. But the Jesus they serve is not the Jesus that I read about in the Bible. And, uh, you know, I I grew up hearing that it's the only true church. All the other churches are an abomination to God. Now, you know, you don't have to study very hard to realize that, you know, I really don't want to be part of an abomination to God. So we just hands off of anything else. It was all about, and in the little community I was in, it was all, uh, everything revolved around the, the Mormon church activities. But, the truth came along. In fact, I, I was, I met this lady, Martha, and was going to her spirit-filled Baptist church. Now, for a Mormon boy to go in there where, where the only, you know, you sit with your arms folded, you're reverent, and the only amen is at the end of the, the service, the end of the closing prayer, and go in with these spirit-filled people, they were raising hands, and they were saying amen right out loud right right while the pastor was was teaching preaching and uh, it was a shock to my system but in their lobby they had some little pamphlets and i i sneaked some of those pamphlets into my jacket pocket and i was one of the only ones wearing a jacket and a tie because that's how you go to church uh these this was during the 70s and and uh, most of the people there were either hippies or, uh, you know, there weren't many 
people that, that thought it was important to, to dress up at all for church. So I sneak these pamphlets out, these anti-Mormon tracts, I call them, and my purpose was to, to show this beautiful girl that I was starting to date that I had the truth and she needed to become a Mormon. Well, I started to study because my whole life I had just been told it's the only true church, there's nothing wrong with it, everything's fine, uh, go ahead and study it out, you'll find out. Well, I studied it and it got nasty. The truth started to set me free, but I'll tell you, I had, I had developed traditions of, of my beliefs and yeah, the truth set me free, but, but the truth smacked my traditions upside the head with a two by four before I was done. That was probably the most difficult thing I've ever had to, to do in my life. And I had to come to a decision. And I made a decision that, first of all, if there is a God, He's not the God of Mormonism. If there is a God, I need to know who He is. And, and thank God that, that my wife, uh, she wasn't my wife at that time, but her and some, some friends were together praying for me. And I, I finally made the decision. I got born again. And, uh, things started to change. Um, I made that decision and making that decision meant that friends that had been my friends in, in the Mormon church all of a sudden didn't want to be around me anymore. My family didn't want to be around me anymore. And that's, that's a story for another time, but that decision it was important enough to me that I had to, I had to realize that I'm giving up some, some things here that, uh, could be painful. But that's, that's just, just the way it was, but it was, it was, uh, a decision that I don't regret. Um, some old friends weren't so friendly anymore. But we are at a critical moment in history right now. And, and being able to stand firm in what you believe, know why you believe it, is key to our survival in these last days. And I believe with all my heart, these are the last days. Now, we, we spent, uh, 11 years living in, in Hungary and working with, uh, mostly Roma people in, in Hungary and Romania. And so many times they would, they would excuse what they were doing and why they wouldn't do things we were asking them because they they would say well it's it's roma culture it's roma tradition except they wouldn't say roma they would say gypsy you know they they didn't call themselves romas but finally in one meeting we had with with some of the leadership that I had, I'd heard that so many times I said listen why don't we start establishing some Christian traditions. And let's, let's go with that. Uh, I tell you, it was, it's, it's one of those things, just like me coming out of the Mormon church, to pull a tradition out of somebody. Uh, you know, Jesus said that your traditions, the traditions of men, make the word of God of no effect. And some, some of those traditions were more important than following what the word of God said. Now, not all traditions are bad. 
But if, if there's a tradition that, that contradicts what the Word of God said, that's something that people need to deal with. Now, as we grow in faith and, and dig into the Word, as, as I was doing back at that time, uh, you run into things and you, you realize, well, that's not what we believed. That's not what mom and dad said. That's not what grandpa and grandma said. That's not what those wonderful white-haired men in Salt Lake City said. And, and you've got to, to base your, your decisions, your life on the Word of God. Now, I want to look at a scripture in Matthew, Matthew 15, and in Matthew 15 and verse 13, Jesus is, is talking here, but he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted. Now, what's a plant? It's it's your ideas. It's it's that belief system that we were talking about. There are plants, especially before we're born, we're born again. We all have plants. Some of them have become trees, but God didn't put them in us. The world system put them in us, or or how we were raised, our our parents, our friends, our our school, even and and even some from church. Those are trees that were more traditions than they were the Word of God. But we we all develop some kind of belief system as as we go through life. And before I was born again, that's that's how mine was formed by by where I lived, by how I lived, by what my parents thought. You know. I'll, I'll talk about me and the plants that I had, some of them, because you've got your own plants you're going to have to deal with. But uh, for the first, I don't know, at least uh, until I was well into my adult years, all I heard from my parents was, we're poor, we'll always be poor, we're never going to have anything. And that's what I grew up with. And I, I thought because this is all I saw, that the only way I could ever have something was to get it on credit. Because back then, you, well, I guess you still can, but but uh, you go to Sears or J.C. Penney or some of the local smaller uh, stores in, in our town, and you could establish a charge account. And so that's how you got things. You you go down. And in fact, now, you're probably all too young to remember this, but back in the uh, late 50s, early 60s, there was a song by the Limelighters called A Dollar Down and A Dollar A Week. Uh, maybe some of you older people watching online may have kept, but everybody here is way too young for that. But uh, you can get all the si- things you seek for a dollar down and a dollar a week. And and basically that's, that's the way life was. Uh, and my family was proud that we had a, a good credit Score. I don't know if it was credit score back then, but they had good credit everywhere because they were faithful with their dollar down and dollar a week process. And and basically, it, and and that applied to, you know, if you wanted a car, a house, if you uh, school clothes, furniture, appliances, everything went on that revolving charge account, and you would pay and pay. And basically, I don't know if if I would have ever not been paying into that if, unless I, until I found out what the Word of God says. 
started listening to people like Brother Copeland, who who started to talk about, you know, own own no man anything except to love him. Started I, I started hearing people talk about um living debt free. What's debt free? That that just doesn't even compute in my mind. Debt free? You know, I, I can buy a pair of shoelaces debt free maybe, but uh not a car, not but but things started to change. That those plants started to get rooted up. And listen, the new plants can't grow. The ones that God wants to put in us from heaven can't grow till we make room by getting those old plants out. And uh you know, but basically if you wanted something, that's how you you got it. Um and and make revolving charge account payments for the rest of your life. Um, and and I didn't know it at the time, but after I got saved, I realized those were some of the plants that were in my life that were blocking my progress in the kingdom of God. And uh, you know, you how many other things do we have that that could be considered plants? That are that are not what God put in us. Now, God also might pull out some of the things that we do that are just a waste of time. Uh, some things just use up your energy. You know, when in in gardening, when people plant plants, certain. Uh, now I'm not a, a real gardener, but I know with with tomatoes and some other things, you can clip off branches that aren't going to bear fruit. And at the time, it looks like it's going to kill the plant, but that plant actually is going to grow bigger and better fruit than, than, yeah, I should get George talking about, or George. <laughs> Frank talking, I've called, I've called Frank so many different names, I don't know if he knows who he is by now. <laughs> but he should be, he, he knows about, uh, about uh, gardening and, and that kind of thing. But what those, what those branches do that don't, that don't bear fruit, they're taking nutrients, they're taking energy, life, away from the ones that bear fruit. And God wants to have that happen with us so that we can bear fruit. Uh, but some of those, some of these things that we do are just wasting our energy. They're not, they're not only wasting time, but they're not what God told us that we should be doing. So, and, and one of the things Satan specializes in, and is so good at is putting things in front of us that that eat up our time and our energy and and doing things that might even seem important, but God didn't tell us to be doing that, and uh, you end up with nothing to show for it. The question right now is: Is are you willing? Am I willing to set aside the things we believed and? uproot some of those unnecessary plants from our lives and receive the truth of the Word of God because if you will, you'll get things that other people don't get. And and you'll get free from other things from things that other people don't get free of. But the only way that this happens is you have to first believe God Believe his word and hold his word in highest esteem. The word needs to become the standard for your life.
And, and this is one thing that has changed my life more than anything. The, the, uh, letting the, the word be the guide and standard for, more, for my life. So, as Jesus said in Mark chapter 4 and, and in other places, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. What makes a hearing ear? It's a willing heart. God is after our heart. And if our heart's not willing, then we're not willing to change. Um, John chapter 3. Now, John chapter, obviously John chapter 3, everybody goes to John 3.16, but we're going to look at John chapter 3 and verse 3. This is when Jesus was talking to a, a Pharisee named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus came in by night, I'm assuming because he didn't want anybody to, to see him going in to see Jesus. But he had some questions for Jesus. But the, the one thing that really jumps out at us for this lesson is verse 3, where Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again. And I don't know if you can see this, but I, I put this little picture up here of, it, it's, it's a picture of a statue, uh, by Dean Kermit Allison that is called Born Again. And a couple of years ago, we had a conference over in, in Hungary and Romania. We made little, uh, Bible, uh, bookmarks with this picture on it. And, and a verse, a scripture verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17 on the back of it. And uh, it, it just was a, a tremendous reminder. To me, it's, it's, it's uh, uh, just a great example, great op- optical of how how you can see, picture being born again, where you can see the old man coming off, the, the old darkness being off, and the, the new uh, light person coming coming forth from there. I thought that was just, I uh, wanted to share that with you. Uh, but the scripture we started with it was Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's where we're talking about change. When you're born again, there should be some change. You're a new creation, a new creature in Christ Jesus. That means there should be a change in my lifestyle. Too many times we see people who sincerely try to, sincerely try to commit their life to, to the lead lordship of Jesus Christ, but you don't see any change in that person. And one of the main reasons for that, I believe, is, is because people don't understand the importance of feeding on the Word of God. There has to be a daily, a daily diet of that. But, uh, in a lot of cases, people people are born again and they expect God to do everything for them. Or maybe the, the pastor or the leadership of the church. They're expecting somehow it needs to come to them just automatically, not realizing they have a responsibility for for growing in in the uh, in the Word of God and in the kingdom of God. And uh the, we have a responsibility to change. Uh, Jesus said in John fifteen seven, 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. You know, a lot of people focus on the asking what you desire, uh, but they, they leave out that first part about abiding in him. That's where it starts. Trust in God. Abide in God. It's, it's, uh, it doesn't work any other way. Um, and, and, you know, they, they wonder then why, if they leave that part out, why Satan is still, uh, attacking them and they're not being victorious over the enemy. But to be victorious over the enemy, over the devil, number one, you have to live in the word, abide in the word, get the word planted in your heart. Number two, live by faith, which can't be done apart from abiding in the word. And then the third thing is live by love. If you read further on in John 15, you see that living by love and loving each other is a commandment. To me, it's hard to trust somebody who says they've become a new creation, a new creature in Christ, but you don't see any change in their life. They're still doing the same things uh, that they did before they were born again. But sometimes... Even the traditions we've learned from our, our, our past, our parents or whatever, even from the church, uh, some of those things hinders victory in our life. And not all traditions are bad, like I said, but any tradition that's not in line with what the Word of God says is holding us back. And Jesus said, again, that the traditions of men make the Word of God ineffective. Are, are not effective. You know, another thing I want to talk about just for a, a minute is there's there's this thing in certain circles, and this is about establishing uh, those those habits that those thought patterns and and belief systems. Uh, some people don't think it's cool to follow God, and and that's why you see some of the churches doing all these things with with <laughs> I almost said smoke and mirrors, but smoke and and the, the good music, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but it, it takes people away from the real, in my opinion, the the real Jesus that they need to be seeking. And and so, you know, especially, you know, I, I was a school teacher for over 20 years, and, and you'd see these teenagers that, that would uh, just do anything to fit in with with somebody. And it was seemed, seemed like it was always easier to fit in with those that were kind of the the seedier type than they were the the good kids. It, even in a Christian school, I taught in a Christian school for for twelve years, and even there you could see that same kind of peer pressure to kind of uh, you know I'm I'm here, but you know that Jesus stuff you know that's that's really for for you know other people. It's not for me. And that, that's part of how these, these thought patterns, these, these, uh, life, lifestyle changes, or lifestyle patterns get established. And when you get older, it's, it's very difficult to get out of that. One of the things, I, I believe I shared this a little bit, I'll just share it again because I like the story, about the two football teams that I, I taught for a while at one of the largest high schools in the state of Utah. And my first year there, we had such good athletes. Oh, these, these kids were talented. And 
they couldn't win a football game. We practiced hard. We looked good in practice. All of the games were close. We were, we never lost a game by more than a touchdown. But we just couldn't break through and win some of those games. Finally, the season was almost over. It was exposed what was happening. They were having beer parties every weekend up in the canyon, uh, near, near where the school was. And one of the kids rolled his truck and almost was killed coming home. And that's, that's the only reason it was ever discovered. And we ended up having to kick 11 starters off of that team. Now, 11 starters off of a team that isn't winning anyway doesn't seem like it's going to help you very much. But it was, it was the rule. That was the whole thing. They, they had gotten used to losing. The reason I was hired as one of the coaches, the whole staff was, the previous staff was dismissed and we hired a new staff and I was part of that. And, and the kids had just spent so many years with that losing mentality. They, they didn't see any point in, in keeping any rules because we're going to lose anyway. So, the only game we won that year was that last game that after we'd kicked 11 starters off, we, we finally won a game. Then fast forward to the next year, and all those guys are gone. Now, we've got good kids, but not such good athletes this year. But they bought in to what the coaches were telling them. See, a lot of people think the coach just doesn't want me to have any fun. Or my pastor doesn't want me to have any fun. Or, or whatever. They, but a good coach and a good pastor and a good civic leader wants their people to, to excel. They, they're doing things not to punish them, not to keep things from them, but to try and make them come up to a, a better level, a higher level of operation in whatever it is they're doing. These kids believed that. They did what the coaches told them to do, asked them to do. And we went to the state playoffs for the first time in that school's history with, with kids that weren't nearly the caliber of athlete as these other, other kids were. But it's, it's, it's establishing those, those thought patterns that, that, uh, that pattern of thinking and, and those, uh, habits that you, that you get that needs to be pulled out and replaced with good ones. Um, look at Second Corinthians chapter 5 again, but let's go back and see what it said earlier up in verse uh, 14. It says in verse 14, For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer for them, live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. One of the greatest battles we face is is uh, flesh versus spirit. And of course, everybody here knows that we are a three-part being. We are, first of all, we are spirit. We're a spirit man. We uh, have a soul, which is our, our thinking uh, capacity, our mind, will, and emotions, and we live in this in this body, this fleshly body, our earth suit, to call it, to that we need to 
function here on this planet. But when you're born again, it's your spirit that becomes brand new. It's like a brand new baby. But you still have the same mind. And if you had goofy thoughts before you were born again, you still got some of those. Those are some of those plants that need to be pulled up. And you still have the same body, unfortunately, that that you had before you were born again. But nonetheless, you're born again and your spirit is brand new. Each one of those three things needs to be fed. Now, it's easy to, to feed the body, and the body always wants what the body wants. Then he wants it now. And if it's good, it wants more of it. Uh, my body sometimes, I've got to be careful about my confession here, uh, getting out of bed in the morning can be a challenge for my body. Because my body's saying, oh, let's just stay a little bit longer. Come on. And, uh, but my flesh and, and my spirit and my, and my soul need to get together and convince my body, no, it's time to get up. I'm, I'm getting better at that too. Aren't I? Ask my wife. <laughs> uh, but the, it's, it's about, you know, if, if I am in Christ, I'm dead to the world. And it's hard to get a dead man to, to sin. In fact, now I couldn't bring an actual dead man. That would have been weird. Uh, but I brought this bear. This bear. We were trying to give this bear a name earlier, but I don't know if we ever settled on one. But this bear really isn't a living creature. It is dead. It's hard. I don't know what you would tempt a bear to sin with. But I know something you can tempt a bear with, and that is honey. You like some honey? Honey? Your cousin Winnie really likes this. He gets that jar stuck in his nose all the time, but here, take a sniff. Come on, come on, you can have it. It's, it's, I'm letting you have it. Come on, you can. He's not taking it. He's, you cannot tempt Someone who's dead. You can't get them to sin. Thanks for your help. Thanks, honey. Um, but if I'm in Christ, I'm dead to the world. But that has to be part of your thinking. It has to be part of those uh, plants that are brought from above to replace those plants that we're digging up from from our past. Um, if I'm really born again, there should be change in my life and I need to know what I believe and why I believe what I believe. Because so many times, I'll never forget, we were at a four-score church in Vancouver, Washington, and there was a, a little lady, I think her name was Minnie. She was 95 years old. And the pastor said, recognized her on her birthday, Minnie, you're 95 years old. How long have you been, how long have you been a Christian? And she said, well, I've been going to church my whole life. And I thought, now I'm, I, maybe she was born again, but that was not the answer that I was looking for, you know. It, the, belonging to church is not what makes you a Christian. You go to church because you're a Christian or you're searching or whatever, but just to, to think that you are 
you are protected and, and uh, living in the, in the protection of God because you've been going to church does not, that, that's not where it's at. So, why do we believe what we believe? And, uh, you know, when I, when I do that, when I, I'm learning how to be led by the Spirit and not be led by my flesh. Your flesh, like I said, your flesh will always want to do what it, what makes it feel good, what tastes good, what, what, everything that, that pleases the flesh. And not all of that is good for you. Some of that will kill you if you, if you let it go too far. Um, but not be led by flesh and emotions and, uh, not by the traditions that I used to think were so important to my life. And, and it's only by getting the word of God in you. And I want to, I want to close going back to John, uh, John 15 again. And we'll go to the, uh, start with verse one. Verse one, Jesus is talking. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. That's what God wants from all of us. But verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And that's, that's the part that, that really brings everything together because it all has to be with him, in him, for him, about him. Without me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. And I just thank you for your time. Let's pray and we'll close. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you that we have plants that need to be uprooted. And Lord, you're helping us to recognize and deal with that, root them up so that they can be replaced with plants that you want to bear fruit. And not only just to bear fruit, but fruit that remains. Lord, we thank you for teaching us and guiding us and and for providing for us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.